life, the universe, and everything in between. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Because I thought it would fit, I think it does. Uh, we're going to be exploring spoken word music. You know, like Don Cooper Clark, uh, Holland Kramer, King Missile, Velvet Underground had a go with the gift. That we will be exploring after 11 o'clock with Grant Smithies. Because it fits in well with the poem, he think, George Henderson of The Puddle. And he well, does um, book reviews too with the spin-off. Uh, he will be reading us his favourite our favourite anyway, and just explaining why. John Diggs on form, straining at the leash, ready to go. He's feeling so good about Trump. So, so good about Trump being in such stuck. John Diggs later from America Next. This is the Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. John DeBiggs, letter from America with introduction. The with US introduction. is the least qualified guy. <laughs> but look what they are doing today. Yes. Yet, this guy is telling us it's better for you to shut up. I know. I'm so simple. I just laugh at that every time. <laughs> okay, big week for Trump oh. allegations. Yeah, like big week. Huge mm -hmm. week this mm -hmm. week in the Mueller probe. His personal attorney, Michael Cohen, has pled guilty to lying to Congress because... He said that they didn't have the Russia Tower, uh, Moscow, uh, Trump Tower in Moscow going. They dropped it. Well, guess what? Right up through the end of June, during the height of his campaign, Michael Cohen was trying to get a Trump Tower in Moscow negotiated. And he told Trump about it repeatedly. Trump was in on it. He told family about it. Ivanka even had an architect for it. And part of the sweetener deal was they were going to give Putin a $50 million penthouse suite for nothing to get this deal going. And Cohen actually talked to the Kremlin. He talked to the Kremlin, to Putin's number two guy, to try and get this deal going. I thought you had to talk to an oligarch because they got, they got well, a whole park of oligarchs. They got a whole park of them there, and they, they were dealing with oligarchs. Yeah. But, you know, if you get this is a $5 billion deal. Trump's biggest deal in his entire life. And to do anything like that in Russia, you got to have the blessing of the Kremlin and oh, okay. Putin. All right. Uh, so here is Trump. Here is Donald J. Trump. Trump on this topic. I have nothing to do with Russia. I have John. John, how many times do I have to say that? You a smart man. I have nothing to do with Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. You said you have no investments in Russia, but do you owe any money to Russian individuals and institutions? No. Will I sell condos to Russians on occasion? Probably. I mean, I do that. I have a lot of condos. I don't have any deals with Russia. I had Miss Universe there a couple of years ago. Other than that, no. We could make deals in Russia very easily if we wanted to. I just don't want to because I think that would be a conflict. I own nothing in Russia. I have no loans in Russia. I don't have any deals in Russia. I had the Miss Universe pageant, which I owned for quite a while. I had it in Moscow a long time ago. Uh, but other than that, I have nothing to do with Russia. See, there you go. So, I mean, I want you to just, just okay, let's reflect on that. He was lying, to, just repeatedly lying about that, lying to the American public. So what happens here is you have the seeds of blackmail being planted on the Russian side. Because the Russians knew he was lying the whole time. The American voter didn't know that. 
These morons that voted for Trump believed that he had nothing to do with Russia. And you can look back on it now and say, well, listen, back in 2013 when he had the America's uh, beauty pageant there, yeah. that's when he started to butter up Putin and saying, oh, is he going to be my fan? He really made an effort to get Putin to come to the pageant, which he didn't. But then during the campaign, he kept saying all these flowery things about Putin, like he's, you know, he's a good guy, he's this, he's that, he's a strong leader, and just kissing his ass all the way because he was trying to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. And he repeated like, so I said that last week. I rest my case again. He lied so much, so convincingly, and when he says there's no collusion with Russia, you know he's lying. He's a confirmed liar, and he does it with such emphasis and such convincing this fashion. This isn't about collusion with Russia. It's not, but it's this illegal. It's business deals. It's a business deal that yeah. could be illegal if he was offering that $50 million penthouse. It doesn't make the collusion true yet. Yet. But he... It sure sells... Puts a lot of smoke out there. Yeah, he's, he's been caught lying. We know he lies. We know he lies, yeah. and he lies with such conviction. So if you're looking at that and listening to that, when he says 8,000 million times that there's no collusion with Russia, you know he's lying. He's guilty of sin. We don't know Yes, yet. we do. We don't. Oh, should have no. been able to find it out by now, shouldn't you? No. No, yeah. why? Why do you? What? What do you think you know? Everything Mueller knows? No, this no. is just the tip of the iceberg of what Mueller knows on this particular topic. Yeah, I don't know what Mueller knows. You don't either. You don't know if he does or doesn't. He's guilty of sin. You're guessing. No, I'm not. No, no, you, no. You know, I mean, it's educated That's an educated guess. guess. That's it's not a guess. It's an educated guess. Real educated. Oh, like okay. Sherlock Holmes educated. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I'm not locking up a person until they found guilty with some evidence. Oh, shit. Oh, no, you've got the business deal here. Now explain to me. Yeah. Was it illegal? Well, if he, if he, this is what he'd normally do. If he was running for president, this is just what Trump does: builds, yeah, builds yeah. things. It's illegal. And he puts his name on them because he's offering an inducement to a foreign power. Oh yeah. So that's illegal. That's a. It's called the foreign foreign something law, federal law. You can't do that when you're when you're in a politics and you're running for something. You oh, can't okay. do that. And the thing is, the thing is, so it, Rockefeller when he was running. And he was vice president, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, what about all his businesses? Oh, he, he, he divorced himself from it. He did? Trump, yeah, Trump's the first guy to ever run a business out of the White House. Okay. First guy. Yeah, right. So, you know, we don't know. We don't know. Well, Rockefeller, really? Just, we, I don't care about the oil business anymore. No, he divorced himself from the family business. Okay. He walked away from it. All right. He was about 8 billion years old at that time, yeah. you know? So, but no, no, this smells, and I, you know, that's fine. You want to give him a shadow of a doubt? I ain't giving him shit. No, I just want to know why it's a little. This, uh, be mainly because of the emoluments clause. You okay. can't offer inducements to try and get something. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of other things involved in it being illegal, that, right. you know, if once they get, you know, put the dots together. Yeah, I can certainly see Trump around a desk talking with Cohen saying, come on, we can get away with this. Yeah, oh, totally. Well, the other thing is, it's a conspiracy to defraud an election process to get something from the election because at the time that he's dealing with Russia, Russia is interfering in our election. And this is, this is not like guesswork anymore. This is, you know, they got all the dots connected on this. So a conspiracy because 
Michael Cohen in his plea agreement. And, and China was as well, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, China. But but Russia was the, the main culprit because they... I mean, third was Chad. Putin came out, third Chad. Putin came out and said that they wanted to hurt Hillary and help Donald win the election. He said this at a press conference, so mm. we know this. Mm. The conspiracy is Cohen said he pled that he pled guilty to it, and he said he lied to keep his story in line with what the president was saying. That is conspiracy to defraud. Yep. Crime. Yeah. He's going to the slammer, isn't he, Cohen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, but maybe not, though, because he only got zero to six months on this charge. All right. And if he's got, like, I mean, this but is But lying a, to this, the feds isn't, isn't pretty. No, 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 no. You can go for five. Yeah. Five years. But if you're doing a plea agreement and giving information like this is this is dynamite information i mean he's got all the the text messages the emails all the hard evidence mm. and he's got a lot more mm. he was trump's personal lawyer for over 10 years mm. personal lawyer he's like uh, sean hannity's lawyer too isn't it wasn't he <laughs> was he yeah 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 he did some work for sean yeah yeah they're all liars they're all in cahoots the whole cabobble i've I watched a bit of Fox this week. Sean oh, Hannity did you? was doing an advertisement for Cohen, Cohen, and Cohen. <laughs> a solicitor saying, what a fine man he is. He's a good man, wife and kids. Oh. He's lovely. Uh, gave me a lift to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Pat's dogs. Yeah. Uh, These guys are, you know, Trump's family is a mob family. They're crooked. Oh, steady. They're, no, no, they're mob. They're mob all the way. They, they pay you off. Mean the mafia. They pay off people. They screw people. Ivanka and Don Jr. should be in jail right now. They screwed investors on the Shoho apartment complex, lying through their teeth like their dad that, you know, all, you know the 75% capacity, all these people were buying, and it was bullshit. Mm. And the district attorney of New York was going to nail their ass to the wall, and then all of a sudden he got a huge donation from Donald J. Trump, and they dropped the case. It, they're, they're, they're mob. They're bullshit. The whole family. Mm. They are crooks. Well, like I've been wondering about since you first mentioned it in the story, since the beginning of this yeah. um, uh, story you're you telling on, on, on. it, is um, Ivanka Trump has uh, had an uh, architect. I was just wondering what the thing was going to look like. What, what was the foyer going to be? It was going to be a waterfall? <laughs> I have no idea. What sort of waterfall? It was going to have uh, shiny gold going with the yeah, silver. I have no idea. Silver and, then, and blonde wood. And then, and then... You know, typical, like to know, typical Trump, after this comes out, he goes, ah, oh, you know, Michael Cohen was kind of acting on his own. Right. He was trying to do a $5 billion project on his own and didn't tell you. Mm. And he goes, you know, I was trying to build, you know, I was trying to build a building someplace in Moscow some, or someplace in Russia. Mm. I mean, he tries to downplay it. It's so obvious. Okay. Right. Uh, I just want to have a little word about Don Lemon on CNN. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't like Don? I don't like this. Okay. I'll tell you why. All right, let me hear. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's <laughs> obviously what the, the, our position is. <laughs> that's Don Lemon. Yeah, I know. I saw it. And why don't you oh, like it? Because really, when that... Really he stopped. He stopped. He stopped being a journalist. Oh yeah, but I when I, when I saw that when he when he originally said that two years ago, I laughed out loud. You're not reading the news. I'm not. There's too much joy in this. They just just calm down and tell us the news. I mean, this no, feels at this stage they, bullshit. They just nah, they just nah, hate him. Sorry, they just hate him because he's an asshole. Yeah, nah, uh, I'm sorry. I call time out do, on that do, bullshit. Do, 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 who does the yeah. news then? Who's left to do the news? 
Nah. And read he, it. He lied so much. Nah, screw that. Yeah. He gets nothing. Don Lemon? He gets no nothing. You, you stopped being a journalist there. Yeah, you know, it was funny. Mm. It was so false, it was funny. Yeah, hold back your joy just a bit. All right. All right. Is that the Russian business side of things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. No worries. Yeah, because we got a, this next one is a doozy. Oh, go ahead. Great. Shall I get a glass of water? <laughs> this this is a ripper. I could go for a pie. This, All right. Double agent. Double agent. Now, you, you can't make this shit up. You can't make it up. Paul Manafort, his campaign manager, who was convicted of 10 crimes, pleaded guilty to eight more in one trial, mm. had another trial coming up. So he flips, finally, because he's going to see 69 years old. He's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. So he flips. So now he's working with Mueller, okay? He's, he's spilling the beans, spilling the beans. But he's not really spilling the beans. He's talking bullshit because he's lying to Mueller. He's telling him bullshit. And then he's telling his lawyers what to tell Trump what Mueller's asking him. You can't do that. When you go on the other side, you don't get to play both sides of the fence. No. So it's uh, now this is how dumb this is, folks. So now he's flipped, but he's unflipped because Mueller tore up the agreement and said, "I'm going to charge you for lying again because you just lied." And he's got the proof that he lied again to the feds about a whole bunch of bullshit. And then they're going to retry him on the trial that they dropped because he was going to flip. This guy's never getting out of jail. Now, and then, to make matters even worse, Trump, in an interview, said that a pardon is not off the table for Paul Manafort. Oh, really? That's obstruction of justice. Oh, yeah. That's, that's witness, witness tempering. He didn't, you know, so that, I mean, Trump is so dirty. I don't give a shit what anybody says. This guy is the scum. Yeah. You can't believe it. But Manafort, if, even if he gets a pardon for the federal crimes... He's got a million state crimes. He's going to jail for the rest of life. And you don't get a pardon for state crimes. You can only get a pardon for federal crimes. Oh, can the governor pardon you? No. No, he's done. Done. Oh. He's gone. Oh. You know, I, this guy is, this guy. And you know what? What happens when they have the stay of execution or something? And they're, they're always waiting for the phone call from the governor. Sometimes that it. happens. It does happen. Right. There was, in fact, just last week there was a guy that got stayed. Oh. Uh, and the governor was the one that intervened, and okay. then I haven't followed on. I don't yeah, know what, okay. what eventually yeah, came yeah, out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's a little below a pardon, though, isn't a it? A little below yeah, a yeah, pardon, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and General Motors played Trump. Oh, this is a killer, too. This is this is Donald Trump in Warren, Michigan, during the, during the, uh, during the uh, campaign. Mm -hmm. He told the town of Warren, Michigan, you will not lose one job. There will not be one plant closed ever i promise you this i i've seen a clip i promise you this just like he lied about russia i promise this well guess what trump gave general motors a huge tax cut in that stupid tax bill he did they, they made squillions off of that he also deregulated air filters and a whole bunch of other shit for automobiles that oh. saved them a lot of money and guess what general motors is doing now they're closing that one plant five plants and knocking off 15,000 jobs. No. And guess what? They're closing the plant in Warren, Pennsylvania, Warren, Michigan. I mean, Trump is so full shit. And you know why they're closing the plant? But every politician makes stupid campaign statements. Nah, nah. Oh, okay. They, Barack Obama. Uh, chemical weapons, that's a red line. We act. That's, okay, okay. And then he decided he that... He backtracked. He backtracked. And good on him. And good on him. 
This is stupid here, saying that they're never going to close and but, never lose any jobs. Yeah, but this it's campaign rhetoric. Yeah, isn't okay, it? fine. And which politician doesn't? And you know why they're losing those jobs and losing those plants? Because asshole Trump put a steel tariff on, and General Motors lost a billion dollars on the steel tariffs. So they said we're closing the plants to save some goddamn money, Probably. and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. That didn't work, did it? No, it didn't work at all. The tax cut didn't work. And the steel tariffs didn't work. In fact, when they signed uh, the new NAFTA deal this week in uh, in Argentina mm. at the G20 summit, I just loved it because Trump calls it the USMDC. Blah, 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 blah. He tries to make up a new name for it because it, all it was was simple adjustment of the old NAFTA agreement. And Trudeau from Canada said, after Trump said, well, this is a big historic USMDC signature. And then they came to Trudeau who signed his copy and he said yes this is great this is a uh, a redraft of the nafta agreement <laughs> stick Such that a, up your craw isn't it next to lowest it, it's near the lowest unemployment rate though at the moment in the usa yeah yeah but job wages haven't gone up people are still feeling the pinch you know i mean it's you know it's like you know i mean it, it was four and a half percent when obama left and mm. it's 3.7 percent now it, it's to the point where it's, it's, it's negligible now it's, it's, you, it's you're better. gonna have about three and a half percent yeah it's better so what tell, tell the so 50 what about tell the fifteen thousand guys out of work at gm yeah, well, tell the guys at harley davidson that their whole plant sure. closed down because of the steel tariffs tell the guys that worked the nail company they okay. had to close their plant because no. of the steel tariffs. tell those people well tell the people that have actually got a job that didn't have one before and there are more of them than there were before no they're not Obama had four and a half million jobs. Oh, uh, Trump has de developed four million jobs. There you Obama go. Developed, Tell them. Uh, Obama developed a half million more. So, so bullshit. It's not no, better. Unemployment is lower uh, now yeah. than it was, has been in a long time. So tell the people that have got a job that didn't yeah. have one before. And they've got more jobs than they've got people because they've stopped the immigration flow. Because oh. of asshole Trump. They can't fill the goddamn jobs. It goes both ways. All right. The other side of America. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is another, you know, God, we've had such joyous stories about my homeland. Yeah. We had the last senator uh, vote in uh, Mississippi. And just to let you guys know, you know, I mean, we talk about Disneyland. We talk about all the positive things in America. Mississippi has got a bad racial history. Bad uh, racial one history. One of my favorite artists, Nina Simone, wrote a tune called Mississippi Goddamn. Yeah, yeah. And... They had a runoff between a Cindy Hyde-Smith, and she's a total racist. She said during the campaign that she would happily sit in the front row of, of a public hanging. And, and Mississippi's got a bad history of lynching African Americans. And, and that's worth going back just to the 60s. Mm -hmm. Bad, bad history of that. And she comes out with all this Confederate stuff. Cindy Hyde-Smith went to a segregated school that popped up in the 60s when they desegregated the schools and allowed blacks to go to the high school. Mm. She went to an all-white segregated school. She sent her daughter to an all-white segregated school, and she won the election. And that's where they're at. That's a red state, and it ain't a very happy state. And I was a black man. She's a I, woman. I, yeah, I don't care. Well, I, I saw a whole lot of things saying, yeah, she's a woman, oh. but, you know, you still have a long ways to go. Just voting in a woman does not change the dynamics. Huh. She And she's dumber than a brick. She's dumber than Sarah Palin. I listened to her... her, her uh, uh, debate with this guy 
She is. And then, I mean, she's so dumb that after the debate, that was the last time she made any public statement. The GOP went in there and said, you don't get to say anything else. Oh, really? Yeah. You just, because there were a whole bunch of reporters were falling around, sticking microphones, and she just would not say a thing. Because she just, you know, she just comes out with the dumbest shit. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's, you know, that's one side of America that... Yeah. You know, it's, an, it's really unfortunate. You think that we would, you know, and on the day that they had the polling, the, the, the voting, mm. nooses were hanging from a tree in front of the state capitol. You know, come on, folks. You know, it's still there. You know, spooky. You know, we, we you know, we, I just don't feel it. We don't feel it. But, but if you're living there, yeah. you're going to feel that. Okay. You're going to feel that. Yeah. All right. But all in all, it is, it, it is just so abhorred. All those ideas for yeah. the 99% of America. I know, I know, I know. But there are pockets where, okay. you know, that's, you know, I mean, you know. I'm just trying know. to put a smiley face know, on your on your relations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, check out the movie, um, Guess Who's not, yeah, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Or, oh, yeah. Sydney Portier? Yeah, Sydney Portier. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Ruben Foster. Now, this, this uh, you know, this is this is sad. Another sad story. This Well, I don't know about where their priorities are. Mm. Reuben Foster was the number one draft pick for the San Francisco 49ers. Okay? Oh, which sport is that? Football, American football. You know, you know, a, a linebacker and a very good linebacker uh, came out of, uh, I think he came out of LSU. Uh, really good linebacker. He's been arrested three times. And this is just a year and a half ago. And in that time, he's been arrested three times for domestic violence. He beats his wife up. And finally, the, the Niners went the full yards with him. They went all the way and, you know, put him in rehabilitation, you know, did this, did that. And then finally on the third time, they said, hey, that's, you know, we got we to let you go. We can't, we can't go anymore with this. This is not acceptable. And within a week, the Washington Redskins picked him up. Hey, just like that. And yet the NFL will not hire Colin Kaepernick, a no. former quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, because he kneeled during the national anthem is that, to protest is, is, black is, violence. Is that the reason he's, he's not picked? Yeah. Oh, totally. How do you know? Oh, shit. Why, why else? He is a great quarterback. He's okay. better than like a third yeah, of the I quarterback. I, I don't know the football, but I have heard other people saying, you know, he's just not in form or something. Double shit. All right. You didn't hear that. Yeah. You made that up. No, I did not. Nobody over here would have any idea what kind of form Colin Kaepernick is. No, no, somebody said. Well, they're full of in, shit. In, in America. Well, they're full of shit. It was on the TV. Bullshit. Okay. <laughs> he was a great quarterback. He was in the Super Bowl. He was a fine, he'd be, if nothing else, mm. an outstanding backup quarterback because quarterbacks are always getting hurt in okay. the NFL. And you know damn well that they boycotted him. They blackballed him because... Trump was going on about, you know, float the flag, mm. honoring the military when it was against police violence against black Americans. Yeah. And it's kind of a First Amendment thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freedom of speech. Oh, oh, geez. Yeah. Well, why would we mention that? I mean, you got a jerk like Trump who doesn't honor the Constitution. Mm. All right. The frogs are still in trouble. Oh, man. Is, is this the Louisiana spotted? Yeah, Louisiana, Mississippi. This little dusty gopher frog. He's trying Don't to... tell me the frogs are racist, too. <laughs> he might be. Who knows? <laughs> he's black and white. He's probably are, He's not kind of spotted. Yeah. But, yeah, he, you know, there's, it's, a, it's a frog that's on the verge of distinction, extinction. You know, it's, it's just hanging in there, trying to do its thing. Lumber companies are trying to, you know, come in and, you know, cut down all the trees and screw up its habitat. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court this week said, we can't make up our minds, and they threw it back to the lower courts. And generally speaking, when you throw it back to the lower courts, 
you're going to lose. They're going to give it to the Labor Cup. Hang, hang on, hang on. Yeah. This is Supreme Court. How many people on it? Six or nine or something? Nine. 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 Yeah. Um, this is what they're there for. Well. Why don't they do their job? Well, they... This is the longest lunch in the world. <laughs> uh, what do you reckon? Bob? Yeah. Uh, it's too hard for us. Let's throw it back to the lower courts. <laughs> yeah, I'll make my Jamesons. Thank yeah, you. Well, that's what they did. <laughs> Oh, come so, on! So the, so the old dusty gopher frog is still in peril. He's still trying to hang in there. The dusty gopher frog. Yeah, well. The, dust, the racist dusty gopher frog. <laughs> All right. Hey, fabulous stuff, John. Super. Thanks, Graham. Good one. See you next week. Uh, I'll be here. Good for you. We're hanging in there. All right. Oh, next up, spoken, not spoken word. Read me a poem. Uh, okay. Musician, songwriter, and quite a literary sort, George Henderson of The Puddle reads us his favourite and tells us why. The most interesting radio show on planet Earth. The Weekend Variety Wireless. On Radio Live. Read me a poem. That's simply the thesis. Explain why you like it. Uh, we've had lovely array of guests come in of all different lifestyle and poetic interest. All you have to do is have an abiding interest or have poetry affect you in some way. George Henderson is our guest this week, founder member of The Puddle and still going strong with tons of music. So we'll have a little bit of a chat about that difficult intersection, as I call it, lyrics and poetry as well. George, poetry is, a th I know, it is a bit of a thing for you and you're a bit of a, a literary mother, as they say. I, I, I used to like to read books. Um, you know, there's a replacement for that now, but I did. And um, I certainly read a lot of poetry when I was little. Um, you know, Rimbaud and all that kind of um, stuff that sets you off on your pretentious arc as an artist. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I don't collect poetry or read poetry religiously but if i find a book by from a time or from a person that interests me in a secondhand shop i'll buy it yeah. restoration poetry love those guys they're like rappers they're, they're like totally dissing each other and each other's girlfriends and in their in their in their verses and they're very plain verses they're really, i know hidden meanings um yeah look at the restoration poets who are they Oh, Rochester's the most famous. When? For his dirty lyrics. They're the contemporaries of King Charles II. Dryden. Oh, okay. Charles II. Yep, yep. Not Charles the head off. It's the one No, his son. his son. Yeah, his son. Okay. Now, lyrics and poetry, how do they relate to you? In any mm. way at all? I have decided after long and careful thought that a lyric is not a poem. So, you know, some poems are lyrical and they're set to music beautifully, but a lyric and a poem apart from, you know, that specific type of poem, are different things, especially around the timing, the timing of the lines. In a good lyric, you don't really want the kind of metrical flow that you want in a poem. Most poetic meters don't make good pop songs or rock songs. You need something that's a bit more vernacular. And, and you know, if you, if you kind of take a, a good rock song lyric and you look at it as a poem, it has faults. Yeah. It has faults, and if you're a writing poem, you do it a little bit differently, and vice yeah. versa. Yeah, yeah. To maybe explain that position on lyrics versus poetry, I think Manamana by the Muppets is a, a wonderful, perfectly formed lyric. Yes, it could never be a poem, though. But no, it yes, couldn't. It couldn't. Manamana. Well, because it's all in the delivery. It's, yeah. Yes. Some of your lyrics, one of my favourite tunes of yours is Southern Man. God, when was that from? Early, mid-90s? Early 90s, yep. Early 90s? Early 90s, yeah. um, There's a line in it where the Kiwi kids start bands like the... Hippies in the California Sandpits. In the old world, New Zealand. 
do you mean? Um, I'm just referencing everyone's love of Brian Wilson there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a scene sketch. Right. It's a little bit satirical, little bit cinema revanese sketch of the Dunedin scene, you know, that people sort of beholden to overseas models yeah. who kind of measure themselves against what they read in the NME or see on TV uh. and um, who aren't really aware of what's going on around them, perhaps. Mm. And it's kind of a bit loving and poking at the same time, you know? Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay. And it's about me too, you know, you know I'm yeah. putting myself in that, obviously, yeah. Right. There was a tune that you did called Sorry Like a Bus. Was it actually called Sorry Like a Bus? Oh, no, oh, the Sorry Bus. It's called The, the, sor- sorry, the sorry Bus. bus. I am sorry as a bus. That's a strange lyric. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, like a bus. What the hell is George talking about here? Until it actually took a real-life experience for it to be revealed. I can tell you exactly where I was. It's one of those moments you will never, ever forget. I was on Franklin Road. It was an afternoon. And the bus came down Franklin Road in Ponsonby and it said sorry on its top. And I thought, okay, oh, I'm so full. Now I get it. But I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want an original metaphor, let somebody make one up for you in the real world and steal it. <laughs> sorry, and then it flashed, not in service. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good one. All right, but this is about read me a poem, a poem that you write. Tell us why, basically. You've gone with... Gone Winston with... Hugh Auden's eulogy Oops. for W.B. Yeats. Sorry. And, um... But, I mean, obviously Yeats would be a great choice. I love Yeats. He's, you know, one of the, the all-time top yeah. in canon. But he's kind of sui generis. He's his own creation. He's um, just this huge kind of folly of a man yeah. that generates great art. Auden, I think, speaks to us more of our own times, especially this kind of window on the world that he provides, his annus mirabilis for his greatest poetry was the eve of World War II. And it's poetry about the common man and woman. It's poetry about refugees, about politicians, about what was going on, I guess, in the mind, a sensitive, politically aware but politically sceptical person as the war broke. And um, he wrote a number of great poems on the eve of World War II. There's one about the outbreak of World War II, which he wrote from New York, because he'd actually fled to New York, would say his enemies, or gone there for the greatness of his art, would say his friends. Mm. Evil and War made a lovely mockery of him in the book Put Out More Flags, which he published in 1940, of him and his friends leaving for New York. But it doesn't really matter, you know. Mm. And he also wrote another poem in 1939 on the death of Sigmund Freud, which is also telling. And so these are Auden's models. He is a product of the early 20th century Enlightenment. He's a product of Marx, of Freud, 
of Einstein. You know, uh, he works in science of Darwin. He works in he works in a kind of scientific literacy into his work, and he is you know socially aware. And his early stuff is a bit left propaganda, and it's you know it's written that started in the Depression, and there's great street great sketches of kind of the devastation of the the Depression has brought, and you know exaggerations of things, of course, and uh, and um, he joined the, the left. I'm not sure if he joined the Communist Party, but he went off to Spain, got disillusioned, done all that stuff, and, you know, people turned on him as they do. And, and, <laughs> uh, but it was kind of... By, by the time of the, the, the Soviet-German pact, yeah. you know, by, by the time of the Ribbentrop-Molotov pact, he, you know, he's uh, you know, he's kind of proved his point. But, um, and, you know, he never stopped being kind of a sensitive, socially aware person. Sounds a bit but, like um, an analogue... Orwell, Eric yeah, Blair. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. There is that. There is that similar curve. Um, he is homosexual. He's part of a you know a, a, a clique at first of kind of intellectual homosexuals, including Benjamin Britten, who set a lot of his early set some of his early lyrics to music. So he collaborated with musicians. Later on in life, he'd collaborate with Stravinsky on Stravinsky's last vocal works. Other friends: Christopher Isherwood, Stephen Spender. When he went to America, had some interesting friends there, including Stravinsky, but also Gypsy Rose Lee, the stripper. He, right. he helped her write her autobiography. Oliver Sacks, good uh-huh. friends with Oliver Sacks. Wow. Um, interesting stuff. But anyway, in mm. 1939, he's writing this great poetry, including the tribute to W.B. Yeats, which I'm going to read. And the thing about this Yeats poem, the thing I love about it, is I love it in so many ways because... One of the things that he's doing is he's appropriating Yeats's voice. He's showing that he can master all the different styles that Yeats used. He's basically saying the king is dead, long live the king. And this would come back to bite him. But he's also doing this thing with his rhymes where he drops in what seem like really crap lines. Really crap rhymes, you know, that just kind of like, oh, why do you do that? You know? Those are the ones that tell. Uh, those, those are the, the lines you remember. He's particularly good at doing this, at do, dropping these kind of clunkers that yeah. are um, permanent. Right. You know? Now, what Auden claimed that he took from Yeats, in particular, was Yeats's kind of falsification of his persona. This kind of um, slight falseness and exaggeration and so forth, which is intrinsic to Yeats. And when Auden copied it, he later felt guilty about it. So he went and revised all his poems and changed them and took out anything he considered to be a lie. So he went back with a kind of scientific mind and reversed a lot of the stuff that people loved <laughs> in the poems. He's one of those guys. Right. One of those guys who keeps re-editing his stuff as long as he lives. He felt guilty. Yeah, he felt guilty because all his humanist poetry, he thought, hadn't saved a single Jew from the gas chambers. Poetry makes nothing happen, he said. And that made him think, well, then I've been telling lies. To be honest to himself and true to himself, he wanted to stop telling lies. And Clive James of all people. The best poem I've ever read by him is about this. It's about W.H. Auden and this process. So go and look that up. Go and look that up. Fascinating. Um, oh, I'd just like to also add that W.H. Auden had one of the great faces of the 20th century oh as God, well. Oh, God, what a rumpled, lived-in face. Is it? What? Yes. It's an unmade bed crossed with a bog mm. person. Yes, yes, it's the product of a large amount of alcohol. The high-functioning alcoholic the man okay. was. And here's the poem, and it's in three sections. It only takes up two pages. Okay. And, you know, I'm not a professional poetry reader, so I'm not going to read as well Is as, um, as, well as C.K. Stead read the poem he read and so forth, but here we go. I hired Bill Doreen to read my poems. <laughs> okay. In memory of W.B. Yeats by W.H. Auden, who died in 1973. He disappeared in the dead of winter. The brooks were frozen. The airports almost deserted. 
and snow disfigured the public statues. The mercury sank in the mouth of the dying day. What instruments we have agree, the day of his death was a dark, cold day. Far from his illness, the wolves ran on through the evergreen forest. The peasant river was untempted by the fashionable keys, by mourning tongues. The death of the poet was kept from his poems. But for him it was his last afternoon as himself, an afternoon of nurses and rumours. The provinces of his body revolted. The squares of his mind were empty, silent invaded the suburbs. The current of his feeling failed. He became his admirers. Now he is scattered among a hundred cities and wholly given over to unfamiliar affections to find his happiness in another kind of wood and be punished under a foreign code of conscience. The words of a dead man are modified in the guts of the living. But in the importance and noise of today, when the brokers are roaring like beasts on the floor of the bourse, and the poor have the sufferings to which they are fairly accustomed, and each in the cell of himself is almost convinced of his freedom, a few thousand will think of this day as one thinks of a day when one did something slightly unusual. What instruments we have agree, the day of his death was a dark, cold day. You were silly like us. Your gift survived it all. The parish of rich women, physical decay, yourself. Mad Ireland hurt you into poetry. Now Ireland has a madness into weather still, for poetry makes nothing happen. It survives in the valley of its saying, where executives would never want to tamper. It flows south from ranches of isolation and busy griefs, raw towns that we believe in dying. It survives, a way of happening, a mouth. Earth receive an honoured guest. William Yeats is laid to risk. Let the Irish vessel lie, emptied of its poetry. In the nightmare of the dark, all the dogs of Europe bark, and the living nations wait, each sequestered in its hate. Intellectual disgrace stares from every human face, and the seas of pity lie locked and frozen in each eye. Follow, poet, follow right to the bottom of the night with your unconstraining voice. Do persuade us to rejoice. With the forming of a verse, make a vineyard of the curse. Think of human unsuccess in a rapture of distress. In the deserts of the heart, let healing fountains start. In the prison of his days, teach the free man how to praise. And he wrote that in January 1939. And that line, in the nightmare of the dark, all the dolls of Europe bark, you know? Yeah. That's kind of a clunker, but it's like the best line. Yeah. Because people hearing this, what we found is that um, just once over is... You go, oh, yeah, okay. But is there anything, because it's a longish poem, anything you want to read again to explain oh. what you were um, well, talking about? Yes, well, um, in the first section he is saying that when a poet dies, his poems change. They become about the people that like them, the people that dislike them. They're no longer about the man that made them. Oh, yeah. One of the meanings has gone, which is what they meant to the person who wrote them. And they become our property, and we abuse them in all sorts of ways. This is true of all writing. Just look at the Bible or George yeah. Orwell, for that matter. Yeah. Anything can be you know, used, by, used by someone in a way that the author would have gone, hmm, no, I don't think so. In the, and in the second section, portraying Ireland, reminding us that Ireland made made Yeats and Ireland suffering made him. Mm. And in the third section, he's bringing us to 1939. He's saying, this is the world you've left. And he's doing it 
in the classic Yeats voice of Under Ben Bourbon. So he's doing it in the voice of Yeats's own self-obituary that he wrote on his deathbed, or you know, uh-huh. when his last great poem is the rhythm of it. So this is him showing, and I presume that the others are too, not that familiar with Yeats, but I recognise the second section rhythm. So he's showing that he can do Yeats's tricks okay. at the same time, which is a really, it's a really kind of cheeky thing <laughs> to write someone's to write someone's obituary and actually, you know, write it in their style. I think it's, it's really cheeky. And it shows that he was an ambitious man and that he, that Auden at this stage was still ambitious and still um, wanted to be the poet laureate of um, the free spirit rather than the okay. poet laureate of the Queen. Okay. Give us the third stanza then, the bit that you've just described. Intellectual disgrace steers from every human face, which is, you know, mm. priceless, right? <laughs> and the seeds of pity lie locked and frozen in each eye. Because, you know, you were preparing for war. Mm. Follow, poet, follow right to the bottom of the night with your unconstraining voice still persuade us to rejoice. With the farming of a verse, make a vineyard of the curse, sing of human unsuccess and a rapture of distress. In the deserts of the heart, let the healing fountain start. In the prison of his days, teach the free man how to praise. Now, the healing fountain is a reference to Yeats's most famous well-known poem, The Lake Isle of Wind is Free, which is an island with a fountain in it. Or no, it's a fountain on the street he saw that made him think of it. And, and you know, again, if I knew Yeats better, it's probably interlarded with references right. to his other poems. And, um, and what he's saying is the, the poet is a person whose job is to take our suffering and make it into joy. Right. Take our suffering and somehow make it into a cause for joy. Something, make it something to sing about. You know, you know, don't just, you know, the poets do not just sing about happy things that, that uh, you know, children sing about. The, the, um, the poet transmutes some experience, which may often be a grief or so forth that, that he's talked about here, and turn it into something quite different, which is um, the alchemy of art in general. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Nice point, the alchemy of art. George Henderson, thank you so much. A memory of W.B. Yeats by W.H. Auden. And are you writing for stuff now? Oh, occasionally. I okay. review the odd thing. Um, oh, for stuff. No, not stuff. That was a spin-off. Oh, spin-off, sorry. Yeah, yes, I've, I reviewed a couple of books there. Um, I'll yeah. do more of that and um, making some more music. And, and here is the interesting thing. As I sat down to write a poem in the style of Auden, act kind of, um, you know, appreciating the stuff I've just been talking about, the 1939-ness of it, because 1939-ness is something we need to understand today because a lot of people think that we're in that position again. And so to kind of feel what it was like for an earlier generation, I think Auden comes closer to it than just about anyone. I mean, Green Green's pretty good at the same scene, but he's not really portraying it necessarily in terms of the over the overbearing cloud that's about to descend, which is what... Auden can do, you know, he's got the streams of refugees coming through, he's got that beautiful line about uh, the trees, you know, the trees, the leaves on the trees are new again, but old passports can't do that, my dear, old passports can't do that. Living in a world is kind of like a steampunk version of our world. George Henderson, thank you so much. Thank you, Grant. You're tuned in to the Weekend Variety Wireless. Hope you enjoyed George Henson's selection and his explanation. Told you he was a literary sort. Gosh, he's written some great tunes. This is a thing called I Believe. I wonder if we'll get to... Oh, it's a great love story. Songs and erotic stories are the record. 
I don't think we're going to have time to actually get to the line. It's an erotic love story song, okay? One of the lines is, you're upside down, you must be tired. We explore spoken word music between 11 and 12. It'll be part one, because we'll be doing it, uh, part two next week. Fits well with the poetry thing, huh? Uh,